You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week is a special one for me, guys. It's another friend of mine uh, from back in the day, uh, writer Evan Robeson from Vox. I know we had Q on from Vox as well. I hope to get the other guys on as well. I mean, it's just a, a great band um, that, uh, I mean, they were super influential on us when we were touring with Anatomy of a Ghost. And they became awesome friends of ours uh, still to this day. And they are one of the the only bands I've seen that after disbanding have stayed so close. I mean, they're there for weddings. They're there for birthdays. They're, they're always traveling to hang out together. And I really love to see that because those guys were always so close together. I mean, they were just, they were just awesome dudes and a great match together. And they made some amazing music. I mean, absolutely phenomenal music. I still, I love that band so much. Um, so I was super stoked to have Ryder on. It had been a while since we had been in touch. Um, and he is living in rural Idaho uh, on his family's homestead. And he is uh, an amazing artist. Um, he's got a website. Um, it's rerstudio.com. And then RER Studio um, is the Instagram handle as well. Uh, Ryder Evan Robeson. Uh, you can also find, he's got a personal Instagram too. Um, but he's doing all kinds of amazing, I think it's called pyrography is what he called it. And it's like wood burning, but also on leather, some fascinating stuff. He did a big, um, he did a big deal with Abercrombie designing some shirts for them. 
uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. We talk about some of that on the episode um, and how they started out as actually a hunting outfit, which I had no idea about. I always learn stuff on this show. So this was awesome catching up with Ryder and, and hearing his story and a lot of stuff I didn't know about him. We've known each other for so long. Um, but we didn't know each other the beginning of our lives uh, up through adolescence, and there was a big gap there where we hadn't hadn't kept in touch, you know, uh, like we had before, um, between him going to New York and leaving Vox and then moving to Idaho. So it's a really cool story, guys. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, and his artwork is absolutely amazing. I mean, he's done stuff for all kinds of people. He just did some guitar straps for the Portugal guys, um, and he did one that I actually got to check out in person with Eddie from Thrice. Uh, he did a, a strap for him that just looks absolutely amazing. I was able to check it out up close. And uh, yeah, so he's doing all kinds of great stuff. He's a volunteer firefighter uh, over there in Idaho, just really getting back to his roots and finding out where he comes from, who he is. And you know, he said he's never been happier doing that, especially going from New York City to rural Idaho, uh, being a band dude and an artist. I mean, it just seems so freeing to be out in nature, um, you know, in a small town and, and really be a part of the community. Uh, and he really stands out with his art. So really proud of Ryder. And, uh, that's a big reason I wanted to have him on the show is to showcase what he's doing now. Um, and I know a lot of you guys were fans of Vox, so uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in this interview for you guys. So um, let's get some business out of the way, and we'll move on. So purepleasurepodcast.com is the website. You can always go there for the latest episodes and news on the show, sponsors, all kinds of stuff. Um, we got the store up with the stickers, hats, shirts, all that good stuff there. It's all um, on the store link on the website and also through our Instagram and Facebook um, you can find us on there, add us on there, tell a friend, rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. It definitely helps us with chart position. It helps us with all kinds of things. I know I say it every week, uh, but I love seeing those reviews come in You know, of the show. It lets me know people are listening, and I really, really appreciate that feedback. And I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. It makes it a lot of fun seeing the numbers grow, um, You know, and especially bringing on new guests. You know, I love to be able to let them know how the episode's doing and, you know, uh, sharing some of that feedback that you guys email me or uh, message me uh, and share that with the guest and let them know, you know, hey, you touched this person this way. Um, you know, it's it's a cool thing. And so um, really appreciate all the open communication we have on this show and being able to bring you real conversations with real great people that I admire like writers. So um, you know, I appreciate you guys so much. So I'm going to go ahead and get into this one. Uh, it's a great interview. I had a blast and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it and please check out his, uh, check out his website, his materials, his artwork. I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff, uh, at RER studio. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into this episode with my buddy, Ryder Robeson. To believe, I've been led 
How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. Nice to hear yours too. Well, I I hear yours all the time. Well, I guess I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to the show, it's one thing that uh, yeah, people hear a lot of my voice. <laughs> I do hear a lot of your voice. I do. I only listen to a few podcasts, and yours is one of them. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, well, that. Thanks for doing good work. It's nice. Hey, same to you, man. I've seen uh, a lot of your work in action now uh, a couple different times. Um, yeah? I saw the Portugal uh, guitar straps. And then uh, awesome. Eddie uh, Breckenridge and I were hanging out at the Thrice show, and uh, he busted out the strap he made for him. <laughs> and that That's one awesome. I actually got to like I've seen the Portugal ones, but this one I actually got to like put on and try it out and and look at it really up close, and it's pretty badass, man. Thank you. You've got some. It's a it's a guitar strap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. made the whole thing. That's the cool part about it. Is like he was telling me all that went into it and everything else, and and kind of what he just told you, kind of roughly what he wanted, as long as it included these couple things. Or something like yeah. that. He was saying like thistles and stuff like that. Um, and he's got it on his bass that he can't even play live because his uh, front of house guy won't let him use it. <laughs> what? Why? He's got it. Well, that night anyway. He, that night he had it. He was jamming on his. He, it's the bass he built. And his right. front of house guy does not like the way it sounds. He's the, the pickups or something aren't right to where he's like, if you want me to do sound for you, I'm not. You can't play that bass. So. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah Fri fripping sound guys yeah yeah exactly so pompous and fucking yeah i think they own the world <laughs> oh man. man we had we had a dude that we brought with us for uh, for a long time that was he was amazing um and uh are you recording this oh yeah yeah it's running oh <laughs> this is how i do it man i just i'm literally i'm literally yeah just out and about mobile setup ready to roll and and uh yeah it's just it just i just start it when i call that's awesome yeah. okay well so <laughs> so the story we had we had a sound sound engineer that we brought with us uh this dude from detroit uh his name is christopher laszlo colte and he he's amazing he's a wonderful wonderful guy and funny as hell but we we met him because uh we were playing a show in detroit and I, to be honest with you, I can't remember the name of the venue. It was an old brick building. It was really cool. But So we don't know this dude then, but he's running in front of house. And 
you know, we're doing our sound check and Quentin says to the dude, he, like he's not paying attention to him. Quentin's asked for something. And, uh, what did he say? Q says in the microphone, Hey, post rock sound guy, you think I get a little more vocals in the monitor here? <laughs> and this dude, Laszlo calls back with like no hesitation. He says, Hey, scream out front, man. How about you shut the fuck up? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and all and then all of us just stopped what we were doing and we're like who the hell is this guy <laughs> and we became immediate friends excellent excellent i was gonna ask how long that lasted because oh very very long that years. sounds awesome yeah I oh mean, my god yeah we yeah. we had a guy on uh uh wow man i feel bad saying this now because it's it's been a long time since then, but but we we were uh, when Anatomy first went on Warp Tour the first week, we were on the Kevin Says stage, which was like this little tiny makeshift shitty stage, and I know all about shitty stages on Warp Tour. Goddamn it! Yes, you do. You guys were on Volcom that year, I think. Um, was that the year that we built the stage every every day? I think so. But yeah, we we tried to burn it down. We we had a. Uh, Oh my God! We had a sound guy, this this big black dude, uh, like just a huge dude, right? And for some reason, we would just fuck with each other. I don't know where it started from, but he would make fun of us. And for some reason, someone started calling him black ass, and that's literally <laughs> what we called him. I don't even know his name, and he loved it. He loved it. He was calling us all kinds of names, but for some reason, I don't know if it was Joe or John or who started calling him black ass. But I, like I said, I feel bad saying this now because it sounds it at the time it was very funny and he was into it. But now it just sounds like we're a bunch of racist dicks. <laughs> anyway, but he's the one who told him Kevin Lyman to get us off that stage because he was tired of us breaking his shit, and so he put us on Volcom. So it worked out. Oh, it did. But uh, lifelong friends, man. Yeah, exactly. And I don't. I still don't know his name. If I saw him, I'd have to. I'd be forced to call him Black Ass again. <laughs> but uh, uh anyways that no comment <laughs> yeah so uh right right robinson welcome to the peer pleasure podcast my friend <laughs> holy mackerel thanks buddy Dude, i am so glad to have you on and uh i mean i yeah well i do a whole intro for these things as you know but um played in vox and that's how you and i met um you were yep. playing bass for vox and we ran into each other all over the country and and uh yep. i think the first show was in denver or somewhere by there with uh yeah i i talked about it with q too i think but it was some band that sounded exactly like refused and i don't um uh, i don't remember but um it definitely was not refused it was not it, it was some band yeah i can't remember their name i'll have to listen to that episode again uh, dude, there's a good minute there where every band was trying to sound like refused <laughs> that's every true. band that's yeah. true and then Everything Refuse from, came back. Yeah, and then Refuse came back, and I honestly still just listened to the old record. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I hear I that. got to see them at the Raven in Denver with Snapcase and somebody else um, on their first U.S. tour, and it was it was awesome. It was before The Shape of Punk to Come came out, and yeah. it, it was the, the songs to... And the, the flames, flames of discontent. discontent. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm on that, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" And watch them come back, and 
through the thing and then they got all these bands that were just knocking it like even doing the you know when they would do the uh the drum checks or the sound check they'd hit that one beat that was uh that i can't even remember how it goes but everybody was doing it dude yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of those things they're one of those bands that just changed everyone's mind on everything and and just were emulated like crazy <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, it was awesome dude you've got quite a story you've done a lot since i saw you last i think the last time man i can't remember the last time i saw you in person i remember you guys had the band house in seattle and yeah. you had almost killed me with uh whiskey ginger ale drinks that's uh, what you were ta- that's what you said on the interview with Q. Oh god. And, I was well, here's the thing. I don't remember that. <laughs> you were playing bartender all night. It was awesome. We were like, this is the coolest thing ever. We're in a house rented by what was it, Atlantic Records, which ironically is yeah. now where those guys are now. But it was just the coolest fucking thing ever. And we're just dr- dr- drunk as hell and having a blast in Seattle. And it was uh, amazing. Man, I can't remember if I saw you after that because no, I did. You was that before or after you guys were playing with Melissa Optimore? Oh, that was. Ooh, it was around that time. Okay, we played. We played with Melissa in Portland. Yes, and Dante. I, and I, I remember seeing you then. And that's yeah. the thing. Before, you know, when you and I were just texting the other day, I was, I was trying to remember the last time I saw you. Yeah, I was and, in the van. I think listening to Plague music. Cause you that plague music uh, uh, like before yeah. it had come out. Yeah. Cause I that don't was, think uh, everything just kind of after that. Damn man, that's that's a long time. I know, I know. So, so then let me be the first to say that I'm happy that we've been able to keep in touch. Dude, that's nice. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. Well, let's start. Let's start at the beginning because you've done you've done a lot since that point. But I don't know. I don't know anything about your your upbringing, your, where you grew up, and and you know I want to kind of start at the beginning and and kind of get your story because I think it's kind of okay. shaped everything that's gone on now and what you're doing now with art and everything else. Uh, okay. Well, um, I was born in Oslo, Norway. Uh, Are you serious? My father, hey, I'm dead serious. Yeah. God damn. You can check. You can check my passport. <laughs> Uh, I, I am, however, a United States citizen. Um, so my father was in the Navy for uh, 27 years, I believe. Uh-huh. And he was stationed over in Oslo. And before that, um, they, uh, him and my mom and my sister, uh, it's just my sister and I, and they were stationed in Whidbey Island in Washington, up in uh, Oak Harbor. Okay. And so, so I was born in Norway. We're over there for a couple of years. Um, you know, I don't, I don't obviously don't remember it. Uh, but then we, the family moved to back to Whidbey Island and spent some years there. And then the family moved to Tampa, Florida, uh, spent some years there. And then the family moved to Colorado and, uh, Colorado Springs more specifically. And my dad used to um, used to fly EA6Bs. Uh, and then he started working in uh, uh, Space Command. And so he started doing a lot of work on Air Force bases. And um, there's a lot of military bases in Colorado Springs. And so that, um, 
and probably like early on that got me kind of used to being on the road a little bit okay. because when when the family would like when we moved from washington down to florida you know we got in we got in our cars and drove down and drove all the way down to california and all the way along the south and we went from florida to colorado we drove straight up to dc went to detroit to see some family see my dad's mom and then from detroit went out to idaho which is where i am right now mm-hmm. and see my my mom's parents and um then we went to colorado so like we would just travel all over the place and i remember when i was little being in the in the car with my dad and him showing me how to use maps you know back when i mean shoot when when you and me started touring on our own like we had maps we had Rand mcnally road atlas oh yeah yeah, I don't think any band that's coming up right now knows what the fuck a map is. <laughs> like, oh, just check your phone. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we were in Colorado, um, and I started painting and uh, doing artwork. You know, just as when I was, as soon as I could hold in, hold on to anything, and uh, uh used to get in trouble for some of the things I used to draw. Um, and, uh, but anyway, uh, why is that? Uh, what, what were you drawing? Would, would you, uh, I was drawing naked ladies on the sidewalk in truck. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. I don't think, I guess you're not supposed to do that when you're like six or seven. Yeah. Um, um where did that come doing, from uh, though? Like, where did that stem from? That's a young age, man. I don't know. Dude. I think the only naked ladies I was seeing at that age were the ones in the locker room. My mom took me swimming because I couldn't go in the locker room by myself. I think that's what happened. To oh, be honest with you, it's awful, and it's and it stuck with me. Oh god! So, <laughs> so. just a bunch right. of Harry Bush moms drawn on the sidewalk. <laughs> god, oh, I can't believe I said that out loud. Oh. Anyway, um, so moving on. Um, <laughs> I so the family was in Colorado, and then uh, that was when I started getting into music. Um, when I was eleven, my mom bought me. Uh, well, she didn't really buy it. I think she may. Have, she, my mom was working on the Air Force Academy, and the place where she worked, there was a lost and found. You know, mm-hmm. like people people leave stuff. Some dude left a silver tone hollow body guitar. What? Yeah. Just I don't left know. it. Left it. It was just abandoned. And so it was there at her office for months. And they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And uh, her boss just told her, well, you know, give it to your son. Something like that. And so anyway, I, I got surprised with this guitar. And uh, I always wanted to play guitar. Uh, you know, just like any dude does i think growing up and uh so i got my mom got me guitar lessons from a friend of a friend and he was a blues guitar player and so he wanted to teach me the blues you know which is a wonderful foundation for anybody and but i was starting to get into punk rock music and i told the guitar instructor that i I said i want to buy a distortion pedal and get this kind of guitar and he says if you buy a distortion pedal then i'm not going to teach you anymore and then the next lesson that I had, I went in and said, I, I bought a distortion pedal. And he said, this is your last lesson. Because I, I didn't take him seriously. Yeah. But he was just like, that's it, you're done. So I kept 
you know, I kept all the, the tablature and stuff that I had from him and, uh, like an idiot though. Like this is, I, I really don't have many regrets in my life at all, but I regret selling that silver tone. I sold it so that I could buy a, a Stratocaster Damn. and, uh, yeah. And I, I don't remember what I sold it for, but I bought the Stratocaster and then just kept playing guitar and just, yeah, that, that was kind of the long road. And I started figuring stuff out on my own. Take, I took a couple more lessons from some other guy and, um, uh, yeah. So I started playing guitar when I was 11 and then I wanted to start a band when I was in middle school and it was just a bunch of dudes that got together and everybody just played guitar. Yeah. Like, you know, nobody knew how to play the drums. Nobody knew how to do anything else. And, um, my sister actually turned me on to a lot of the rock music that, you know, like when Nirvana was first kind of making it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I used to have on my walls the, do you remember when the CDs used to come in those big, long cardboard boxes? Oh, dude, yeah. Check my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I found the picture from Christmas when I got my first CDs, and I'm holding them up like giant playing cards. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was, exactly. That was awesome. I, I used to pin all those up on my wall. Yeah, the long boxes. Yeah. Um, but so my sister was getting me into more rock and roll stuff, and I – uh, you know, then it started skateboarding and then I started finding more music through skate videos and which, um, you know, seems to be a common theme with a lot of people at that time. Cause I don't know, it, it was in Colorado Springs. There wasn't like a, a readily accessible record store that would carry really independent music. But then there was a, there was a skate shop, um, called independent skate shop. And every now and again, they would have shows and so I, I think it was my freshman year in high school, a friend of mine that was older than me had a show and I went to it and there was some touring hardcore band, some touring hardcore band. Mm -hmm. It comes, they, and I meet, I don't know if the kid was actually in the band or if he was a roadie that was, you know, just doing merch or whatever, but he gave me a mixtape. And then this dude and I kept in touch, uh, through letters and he would send me mixtapes and I'd send him shit uh, back and forth and he'd send me a uh, heart attack zine. And then, and when I, you know, bought my first car and was able to go on road trips where I would drive up to Denver and go to the record shops up there. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I kinda, I'm kind of going on a weird tangent now, but no, this is good. Uh, just going along with like the whole writing letters thing. One thing that was really cool that happened was after I met this kid, he sent me a couple mixtapes. Um, I, on one of the tapes was the, when botch first came out and they did that, that opera cover, that Il Fortuna uh -huh, uh -huh. on the, on the first seven inch. Yeah. I found in the back of heart attack zine, the address for the record label. And so I wrote a record to Mike Fight, I think, and uh, saying I can't find this this record anywhere. You know, can I can I send you a check to you know do you do that you know mail order or whatever? But this dude ended up writing me a letter back with uh, a clear or a translucent orange pressing of the first botch seven inch with like a letter saying thank you for writing and all this stuff and like 
after that, I really kind of got into the hardcore scene and seeing what, you know, just it, that anybody could do this. Anybody could make music and stuff like that. That's incredible. And, Did you say uh, Mike Fight? I th- I think that's his name. That's that was his Mike name. Mowry. He he owns the podcast network I'm on. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mike Fight Fight Records? Yeah, Fight Records. P H P H Y T E. That's what the first seven inch came out on, yeah. right? I think. Yeah, yeah. That's well, Mike Mowry. He's uh he owns the podcast network. I'm I'm gonna see him in a couple weeks in L A. You tell that dude that. Thank you, dude. It changed it changed everything because it was like, you know, when you're a kid and. You're kind of far away. I mean, and shit, you were up in Alaska, so yeah. you were in Alaska, right? So yeah. you're 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 far as hell away from <laughs> yeah, being able to get any kind of weird music. And but when you when somebody like took the time to do something like that, it just you know it changed everything. And I was like, I don't know. I loved the music anyway. It was aggressive and and experimental and you know, yeah, polit- political, all this other stuff. And yeah, sure. they just. I don't know. They don't do stuff like that anymore. So I started a hardcore band in in high school, and then that brought me up to Denver, and I went to art school, and um, and then I met Joe and Quentin mm-hmm. in art school, and uh, um, and then met Adam, and then we started Vox, and then Chris came in, Greg came in, and mm-hmm. that became. That became what very much still is my family to this day. Yeah, that's so. one thing that's awesome to see is you guys always posting pictures. Like you guys get together for birthdays and, and uh, all kinds of things. Like you're all over the country, but you guys all reconvene. I love seeing those pictures and of you guys all together, you know. You guys well, were always that way. You know, there was, there was a minute there where I kind of, you know, I moved to New York after I, I I left Vox, yeah, actually, actually, while I was in Vox, I moved to New York, and um, uh, you know, I had a good good spell. Where I think I was just kind of an arrogant asshole, and so I didn't keep in touch with them as best I should have. But they, you know, those those other dudes, they never gave up on me. And then when I moved to Idaho, uh, almost five years ago now. I right now I'm smack dab in the middle yeah. of both guys. You got Joe and Quentin in Seattle, and Greg, Adam, Chris in Denver, mm-hmm. and I'm ten and a half hours from each place. Yeah, and so it's it's really great. So since I've moved here, we definitely get together a lot more. I think just because you know all, all six of us can get together, and um, but I mean we still have a, the same group text message going that's been going for years and years and years. And it's just it's just like you know. Fart jokes in a van. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> man, uh, I remember oh, one of my fondest memories of you and I was, well, it was Furnace Fest. We played Furnace Fest in, in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was right before we did that drive to Anchorage from Birmingham, Alabama, which was fucked six and a half days straight. God damn. You drove straight I, from Birmingham, Alabama to Anchorage? Yeah, we watched Minus the Bear and then left. And, like, we were gone. Like, I wanted to watch them, so the guys hung around because um, I'd never seen them yet. They were still new. Um, anyway, 
but <laughs> I remember <laughs> I had a hats up to you. Wow. I, well, we all we looked up to you guys because you guys were a little older than us. You guys have been touring longer. Like we were still like getting our feet wet. So we always we always looked up to you guys. Now I remember I had a splitting headache, and you're like, dude, try this. And you gave me just some Tylenol and a Red Bull. You said, take this and drink it with this. In an hour, your headache will be gone. And my headache was fucking gone. It worked. And I was like, God, this guy's a genius. And just little things like that. And then like running through the the furnaces with no lights on, like it would completely pitch black, taking pictures that with was the awesome. digital camera. And then John dropped it and then went back and found it the, the next day, like creepy shit. Like we would always do stuff like that. Like it was always just like a fun hangout. It was always so much fun. We knew you guys were going to be around, you know, because we never got to actually like tour together. Really, we we always did like yeah. one off shows or festivals. So it's like, oh shit, we're going to see the box guys, you know. Like that was yeah. that was one of the coolest things because we did that with all kinds of bands, but we never had the kind of relationship we did with you guys with anybody else. Like it was just like this special thing, and. It, it was always a blast because we, you know, we're always interested in what you guys were doing. We would always, you know, watch you guys play and be like, man, I should try that or try this, you know, like it was always, you guys just had it dialed, you know? And then the other cool thing is you guys were friends with so many great bands. Like it was, it was like the, you guys were like, like, I think I said it with Q, you guys were like the band's band. Like it seemed like, yeah, that's what the deal was. And it was, it was awesome because you guys got to tour with, everybody but then it just didn't kick off which it should have you know and i remember talking to you on the phone i think i think yeah i talked to you on the phone after uh beyond virtue beyond vice came out and you guys were getting ready to release it on your own because you told me what happened with with the label and then you guys got the and this was yeah that you must have left right after that yeah yeah, I I left in 2006. Okay. And then we got together to do the final show in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um and the the business part of it got to me. Yeah. You know. And there was just a lot of stuff going on that I I, I don't know. Well, you had you said what so what happened when you moved to New York? You said you you turned into an, an arrogant asshole. Like what <laughs> what 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 spawned that? Was it frustration from music, you know, not working or was it like I don't I didn't I don't remember speaking to you much in that time period. So uh, that's yeah. news to me as well. I don't you know, I mean you don't have to go into it, but I'm interested on what spawned that. Well, I think that So it it was really, really extraordinarily difficult for me to make the decision to leave the band. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it to me, it just felt like we had gone backwards um, with where we were in, in our career. Like, I never wanted to be rich or famous or anything like that. I just wanted to make a living. Sure. Like, I wanted for all of us to be able to pay our rent. And, you know, get to the point where we could buy a house and do this and that. And, you know, I used to, I moved to New York initially because it seemed like the band was touring so much. It didn't matter where we lived. Mm -hmm. And after our first time in New York, I just, I fell in love with it. You know, I I loved, there was just all, I don't know, there was was an enigma about it. There was all these things going on, new stuff happening, and not, like, you know, trendy shit. It was like people were making stuff. Yeah. And, you know, some of the neighborhoods that we would hang out in, and 
it was just I found it really intriguing and very very inspiring at the time and uh, you know I ended up uh, I met a girl and uh, who's now my ex-wife and that was another big part of why I stayed there mm. and, and why I decided to move there is I wanted to be closer to her at the time and you know I I say that I became an arrogant asshole. I don't know if it's if it was really that bad or if maybe if it was worse. But like I, I drank a lot, man. Okay. I've been so I've I've been sober for five years now, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I was just I started selling my artwork and I started hanging out with you know a lot of I don't know. I started hanging out with a lot of people that were doing like really really you know, fascinating things. My very first, my very first art studio that I had in New York was, uh, this, this is funny. It was, uh, it was a basement level space in the Lower East Side, 119 Ludlow. And I rented out the back area from these two dudes that, uh, you know, I became good friends with their, their clothing designers making like crazy rock and roll clothing, leather jackets and, you know, a lot of t-shirts. And there was a lot of, during that time frame, there was a lot of drinking and drugs around, even more so than when I was in a band on tour, you know, sure. which is like the everybody thinks like, oh, you're in a band, you just party all the time, right? <laughs> Nobody really realizes that it's a shit heap of work. Yeah. And um, anyway, so one of the guys, this, this is the what I was, what the funny part was, is that one of the guys that I shared that studio space with the year after I moved out here to Idaho, he moved to Idaho as well. He lives up in Sandpoint and he and I have reconnected and we're really close now. And, you know, just cause we've taken our lives on very different paths from where we were going. Sure. And I don't know. I think during that time, like I, I think I just had my head up my ass, you know, I was, <laughs> I was making a lot of artwork and yeah. I had a lot of people telling me a lot of nice things and, uh, yeah, I was making good money for a while, and then uh, I just lost touch with a lot of people, and that's that's why I, I say I was an asshole. Okay, you know? I didn't go home as much anymore, and you know things like that. Yeah, well, New York's a, a place you can do that and get lost in, and kind of encapsulate yourself with everyone that's immediately around you versus who else is you know out of state or or whatever i mean there's enough to do on one block for the rest of your life like it's insane yeah but then you know after some time i realized that just wasn't who i was Mm -hmm. you know i still wanted to do my artwork and i was you know i had my ups and downs with my art career and but just i found new york just to be a weight instead of something that would lift you up yeah you know it uh it changed you know a buddy of mine that uh, actually lives in tacoma now he grew up in new york and we were talking about it not that long ago and he's like that's the thing you know it's changed it's all glass no soul and you know like i was there for 10 years and got to do a lot of great things but i've never made a better decision in my life than to get the fuck out of there yeah <laughs> Jeez. You know, New York's New York's a good place if you want it to be. Yeah, and I got a lot of good friends that are back there, but it kind of, you know, if you're not from there and if you let it happen, it can be like a bad relationship. 
it just sucks you back in and it takes your money and <laughs> you know? but yeah i've I've only been back i think once since no nah, maybe twice twice since since i've moved out here how'd you feel when um, you went back did you feel all those feelings come back to you no no you not at all free. i just I, I, I felt confident and yeah and free That's i awesome. felt confident in my decision that i did because i you know, I'm living a very, very, very different life now. Yeah, and I'm gen- and I'm genuinely happy. Sure, I can see it in your face. So. You look like a whole other person. Like it's it's crazy because like you've gone you've gone through so many changes, and I mean it's been crazy to see. And when I first saw that you had moved to Idaho to this, and you just kept posting these pictures of this beautiful farm with like this barn <laughs> that looks like it's about ready to fall over. And it's like something from a movie. Like it's crazy. And I wanted to. I mean, man, I I want to know the story of moving out to to Idaho. I mean, from New York, the 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 farm was in your family, right? Yeah. So it's 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 not a full farm. I mean, it's a uh, it's a couple acres, and it's a house that uh, my family built uh, in 1914, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was my great, great grandparents. And so my mom grew up here and my mom grew up in this house. Uh And when I was a kid, I used to come out here quite a bit and, you know, be with my grandparents and, you know, they'd put me to work and my grandfather built this big shop, um, on the property that that's where he did everything that he did. He was a, he was a mechanic. He was a, he was a fireman. He was a, he had he had a seed cleaning business later on in life that uh, was, you know, became his main thing, you know, towards the end. And this was the shop is where he housed those machines and where he did all the repair work and everything he needed to do on it. So there was welding equipment everywhere. And it was just I, I remember being a kid and coming out here and just being fascinated. There's this all sorts of stuff, you know, tools and bearings and parts and shit everywhere. And, but everything had its place. And, you know, if there was something that he needed, you know, like that he didn't have, he would make it, you know, like he had a hand cart that he had welded out of old pipes. He had a, you know, wrenches that he would, you know, use to get into a truck or something that he'd take a bent piece of rebar and weld a, you know, a wrench head onto it. Yeah. And, you know, and I found that stuff when I came out here, when I moved out here, I found like, I found this wrench and it ended up being the exact wrench that I needed to hit the blind bolt on the backside of the starter that I put on my old truck. You know, <laughs> just that's perfect. random shit. So I, I wanted to leave New York. Like I was done. I felt like I was done. Yeah. I was starting to feel better about a lot of things. I had gotten sober, um, you know, I was starting to take care of myself and I ended up, uh, uh, meeting my wife, uh, uh, my wife Ainsley. Uh-huh. We, we met in New York and she's not originally from New York. She's originally from Canada, but she had spent a lot of time in New York as well. And I don't know. I just went up to her on a subway platform one day and said, you want to get out of here? What? And yeah. And she was, she was like, she was like, how do you mean? I said, I want to leave New York. Do you want to leave New York? And she said, yes. And so 
at the time I had a potential job offer in California. Okay. And I was talking with my parents and was just like, I got to get out, you know, I need to leave. So, um, they're like, well, you know, there's the house, you know, this house had been vacant for, I don't know, 10 years. And, um, so I, I spoke with my parents about everything and was like, maybe I can go to the, to the house in Idaho and just kind of get my head on straight, see what I want to do, see where I want to go, mm-hmm. you know, figure things out. So the plan was that I fly out, I get the house ready. Ainsley comes out in a month and, um, and then we kind of play it by ear. We'll give it, you know, three months. And then I'm talking to my mom. She says, you got to give it six months. I said, okay, we'll give it six months. And my grandmother, my grandfather had passed away in 91. Okay. Uh, but my grandmother was, she had moved down to St. George in Utah. Uh-huh. And so the story goes that I fly back to Colorado, pick up a car, see my parents for a few days, drive up to Denver, see all the guys in Vox and friends in Denver for a few days. And then I drive out to St. George, which is kind of on the way mm-hmm. and say, say hi to my grandma and say, we're, I'm going to try to take care of the house for a little while, you know, cause I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen her in a few years. Yeah. And, uh, gets my parents' house and we're there for a couple of days and we get a call from, uh, hospice care that my grandmother was going to pass away. Oh my God. So, uh, we hop in our respective vehicles and hightail it out to Utah mm-hmm. and she passes away on the way before we get there. Oh. So then we, you know, so then some family starts coming in Utah. We start figuring things out and then we got to figure out how to transport her body up to St. Anthony, Idaho, where I live, mm-hmm. uh, so that she can be buried next to my grandfather. Long story short, we took care of all the necessary paperwork, and uh, I, me and my father uh, transported my, my grandmother's body <laughs> from Utah <laughs> up to St. Anthony. So wow. we, drive like, we drive for like nine hours with my grandmother in a you know, approved box yeah. in the back seat of the freaking car. What? And oh, no. So this whole thing of you know me move, coming to Idaho and being alone, and which I was looking forward to, uh-huh. just to kind of you know think a little clearer and what have you, ended up becoming this absolutely wonderful family reunion because of my grandmother's funeral. Yeah. Um, I mean, a terrible thing that my grandmother passed away, obviously, and, and how it happened and just bizarre that I drove her body up here. Yeah. And yeah, but my dad made it easy and my mom made it you know easier for me to do it. But so, yeah, so I came to, that was how I got here. That was physically how I got here. <laughs> That's <laughs> intense. But, yeah, it's like a mixture of like a like it's like a really heartwarming national lampoon, like where they, <laughs> the, the aunt or whatever they have to drive her however long, and yeah, but it's 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 crazy, like this the how everything worked out to get yeah. you to where you are now is just a, a huge 
story. I mean, it's crazy to think about just how many things have have kind of just kind of happened to get you where you are. I mean, it's it's kind of like it was meant to be. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website 
There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, so you get to, you get to Idaho, you have the funeral, everything, family's all there. And then when, when things died down after that, did you get that time to yourself or did, did it, was it yeah. already out there at that point? No, she, uh, she came a little while later. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I had that, I had that time. So your and parents, did your parents know about your alcoholism? Before we never the, before discussed this? it. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Before, before yeah i think so okay when i when i was going through my divorce i took it very 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 hard uh-huh. it was i was i was really confused you know i thought it, the, whole, the whole thing was my fault and I blamed myself and was embarrassed and this and that and the other and mm-hmm. i tried to i literally tried to drink myself to death i tried i really fucking tried um really but it didn't work yeah 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 God but it didn't work it. But, you know, it's like, I don't know. I didn't know how to deal with it. So, you know, I just tried to escape it. And, you know, like everything that I've done, everything I've been through, going to New York, you know, being a prick for a minute and just allowed me to get to the point where I'm at now. And I I think I'm doing good things now. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, you know. it's, it just hurts to, to hear that a friend of mine is, was at that level, you know, like it, a lot worse than when someone, you know, I talked to on the show that I don't know, tells me a story like that. It's like, man, like I feel for them, but it actually like to know you went through that kind of a thing, you know, it, it's, it hurts because it's like, God damn, I wish that, you know, 
I'm not no, trying to hurt you, buddy. No, you're not. But what I'm saying is, it, 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 I feel it a lot more when it's a friend that you know went through that kind of shit. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, I've talked to people that have you know said basically they don't care. Like I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do, and if I don't wake up tomorrow, that's fine. But I've not heard someone that tried to actually just like let's see how far I can take this thing. You know, like that's that's crazy and i'm so glad that you're you're sober i mean was that i mean how long did it take you to get sober before you left uh did you have like i mean did you just do it like fuck i'm done with this or was it a uh, uh kind of a, a tug of war it was a little bit of a tug of war in the beginning yeah um well and the funny thing was is that i was a bartender that's what I that's what I was gonna ask you because that's what I heard you were doing was bartending. I didn't know you were doing art at that time. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I I kept my job bartending, and I was, um, you know, I was I was bartending at night and doing my artwork during the day, and yeah, you know, uh, you know, the the first place that I moved moved to, um after the divorce was I, I, I rented out my old studio over on Essex street. Um, and it was a shared floors plan. So all I had in my little workspace was a desk, a little couch and a curtain separating it from the hallway of this place. And you're not allowed to live there. Yeah. But for, for a little while I was, I was, I was fully living there. I'd sleep, I'd sleep on the floor and I'd, uh, um, I'd shower at the gym and I'd eat all my food at the restaurant that I bartended at. And, you know, if, if I was, if I, you know, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens to people. It does. You know, it does. Yeah. You know? Dude, and I know it. It's funny because I, I don't know, it, but you can make it out of it. Um, yeah. What happened was, you know, my wife Ainsley called me on my bullshit because at that time her and I were, um, you know, her and I started hanging out and uh, she called me out on it and she wasn't saying, hey, you have to stop drinking or anything like this, but she she made me think about things a little differently and you know once i was fully honest with myself and realized that i had a problem i i, I put myself through meetings and i did a year of meetings and um and then i it allowed me to get to the point where i'm at now and you know there's yeah <laughs> do you still go no no, no. i haven't no. i haven't i've when the two times I went back to New York, I went. Okay. I went back to the same meeting because you know everybody says you got to do the ninety meetings in ninety days, and I didn't do that. Yeah. I went to the same meeting at the same time every week, and sure. it was the, you know, they even asked me to you know lead the ending prayer one day, and I was like, yeah, I can't. I don't really believe in that part of it. Yeah. So no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then they asked, they asked me to speak. They asked me to talk. And, you know, there was people that were talking about problems that I just was dumbfounded by. And here I thought that I'm just some sad sap that was just sad. And I was like, I don't have a place to you know be talking about my problems. My problems are nothing compared to these folks. And, 
but then you start to realize like you know when it hurts it hurts and you're doing something like that and i don't know you don't have to go into the sad stuff well anyway life's good now though yeah that's great now well that's what's crazy is you've gone completely a whole nother direction you're in idaho on this farm you're doing your artwork full-time you're and and you're i mean you're you're living the life out there i mean you've got i'm a fireman too i know that's what i was gonna say like we scheduled this interview to not go into you maybe getting called in uh at the fire department as far as as far as getting a call and having to leave volunteer (laughs) firefighter like it's crazy yeah well it's it's the the very same department that my my grandfather was chief of way back when it makes Um, you think like people knew what they were doing back then i mean we always talk about you know listen to your elders and and but there's also like you know you're living in the past you're doing blah 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 blah. but it's like things were a lot simpler back then and i think you've been able to grasp a lot of that where you're at now being in a small town you know uh and really embracing that lifestyle i mean you've got yeah I mean, and your your artwork is fantastic. I mean, the stuff you do. Like, I remember, I think the first thing I saw that you had done, I didn't know you were an artist. The whole time I'd known you, I didn't know you were an artist. And, <laughs> I, and that's one thing that Q, like, cued me into as well is is uh, that you guys were all, you know, men in art school. I was like, what? Like, I had no idea. Yeah. So I think you did something for Logan uh, a long time ago, and he posted it on Instagram. And I was like, wait, who did that? And then that's when I got linked up on Instagram to your artwork because I was like, holy shit, this is awesome stuff. And it's, I mean, you're doing like uh, the cool, the things I like the best are like the old like axe handles and like, uh, I mean, that stuff is badass. And, but it's got, it's just got this feel to it that's really uh, um, pleasing to me. Like when I look at like the, the stuff you're doing, the, the lines, the, the, I mean, it's just, it, it grabs you. Like it's, it's really cool. And it's all like, um, there's so much nature in it and just natural, real things. Like, it's not like, a um, like some people do a lot of like fantasy and things like that. Like you, you do like animals and reptiles and, and flowers and things that are real. And, and you can, I mean, really identify with is what it, it seems like to me. And uh, well, thank you. You've got. I wanted to talk about this Abercrombie thing that happened a while back. Uh, where they did they come to you to to put your designs on shirts and stuff? Yeah, How did that work out. That was that was a fucking crazy thing. It was it was it was pretty awesome because like when I was in New York, New York, you know, you're supposed to be in the epicenter of where all the artwork's happening and all this stuff, and I did all right. But then when I left New York, then people started calling me. And so the thing with Abercrombie, it was it was pretty cool. There was um Aaron Levine, uh, who's the, the head head of all the design for mm-hmm. the company. He was an old acquaintance of mine from back in New York. And you know, we we saw each other every now and again. And I think he just kind of started seeing what I was doing, what I was putting up on Instagram because I don't have Facebook. And it was just, he started paying attention to what I was doing and they wanted to do a rebrand in a sense of, of the company where what they wanted to do was 
they wanted to kind of go back to their roots to like their old hunting catalogs because they were a hunting outfitter back in the like 18 1892 was the year that they started really and i didn't know that yeah. at all yeah they used to sell they used to sell uh at their stores they used to sell hunting rifles they used to sell uh they did collaborative knives with case and they were the the hunting outfitters for ernest hemingway all his really? clothing that he had was abercrombie and fish back then weird yeah That's awesome. and uh <laughs> yeah so he uh so Aaron, Aaron calls me and we just started a conversation. And then I did uh, a series of, a series of, you know, watercolor paintings and um, uh, illustrations for him. Mm -hmm. And that it went great. They sold out of everything. And, uh, and then we did it the next year, which was just last year, I think. Um, so we did it two years in a row where I did a series of paintings and, uh, then once the shirts and everything came out, um, once the shirts and, and the sweatshirts and stuff came out, then we made, we worked together to make displays. Uh, so I did a bunch of wood burnings, um, uh -huh. that went out to some other flagship stores out in Milan and Paris and London and New York. And then the last time I did these, these bigger, uh, paintings i did these acrylic paintings on paper based off of the artwork that i did for the shirts and mm -hmm. it was it was very very really cool just you know this gigantic corporate company reaching out to i'm just a dude hanging out in his grandpa's <laughs> shop out in the middle of bumfuck idaho <laughs> you know yeah and and uh but and each time we did it they sent uh, a camera crew out here. These two guys, brothers, uh, Ben and Seth Miller, and they just the nicest guys. And they just filmed me working here, what it was like out here. And uh, I've watched the video just to like it's gorgeous here, you know. Because yeah. there's no, there's no. It's just natural. It's very, very. I'm just you know, like there's more wildland here than any of the other continental states. It seems like. Yeah. And. Yeah, so that was it. Was really great that they got to do that. And then the funny thing was, is Ainsley and I go down to Salt Lake City once to. I don't remember what we were doing, but then I was like, "Oh, we can go to the Abercrombie store. We can see my shirts." <laughs> and so we go and we do that, and nobody believed me. Really, <laughs> it was me. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't give me the time of day. The people that ran the damn store. <laughs> wow, you show your ID. No, this is me. I tried to, but they walked away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you buy one of your own shirts? No, because the salesperson was so rude. There, oh, God. I was going to say, like, we used to go and buy our record when it would come out, like, at Tower Records or whatever, at midnight or whatever, we would go buy the record to, to like, complete yeah. the process. But, um, yeah, man, that yeah. sucks. No, it, no, I, I laughed about it the whole way home. Oh. I wasn't, I wasn't complaining about it. I was just really <laughs> proud to see my name in print like that. Dude, that's awesome. And on such a grand scale, I mean, it, ah, that's awesome. I, I watched the well, video on YouTube and yeah. it was done so well. I mean, you've got yeah. so much inspiration there. I'm sure like, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, was, uh, cause you're kind of in the same situation. I don't know if you guys know each other. I talked, uh, with a buddy of mine, uh, Aaron, um, the other night, uh, for an episode 
and uh, he's been in a ton of bands and and he's the one who introduced me to isis um which is one of ah. my favorite bands ever and uh, yep. Aaron Turner, I don't know if you heard that episode of the show with him that I did, but um, I, I haven't yet, man. He, it's on the it's on the queue. He talked about moving to Vashon and how from L.A. and Boston and all that place, all those places, and how he felt that people that lived in the city, um, a lot, you know, he felt that he was easier to kind of run from things and hide from things with all the distractions. Um, that when he got to Vashon, everything just kind of hit all at once um being kind of isolated and i don't know if you felt the same way moving out to idaho to where you could actually kind of work on yourself a little bit more and notice things that maybe you didn't um being surrounded by all the noise and and you know hustle and bustle well you're that's i gotta listen to that but that's yeah i i would agree with that because it's not it's not even just you it's like you (laughs) You know, I move out here like I didn't really know anybody. Yeah. You know, I I've never lived here, and it's a very small town. And it's there's three thousand, thirty five hundred people here. There's one stoplight, mm-hmm. and you know it's, you know, and then all of a sudden this tattooed dude with a big beard comes into town, <laughs> and they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Like Panther the record attack, literally baby. scratched. Yeah, the record <laughs> literally scratched when Ainsley and I would walk into places. Yeah. But then you're you're faced with all sorts of stuff because we've got every single season and we've got it really hard like on new year's day it was 16 below zero mm-hmm. here and you know we so it's like i'm learning how to fully take care of the house you know if the pipes burst what do you do if this happens what do you do like you know i've got a wood furnace that heats my whole shop so i go out and i chop my own wood and you know i had this this grand idea that yeah, you know, we'll move to Idaho and we'll kind of be rustic living a little bit. It'll be a little bit different, and but I'll 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 get better at fishing. We'll have fish, you know, at least once a week, and mm-hmm. yada yada yada. You can't fish like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I mean I try, and so I do fish, and I when I I I bring them home and I cook them up, and but I've you know I've learned to hunt and I've raise my own turkeys and, and butcher them myself. And, um, like it's not a, I don't know. You, you learn a lot about yourself. I've learned a lot about myself, like what I'm capable of doing and, mm-hmm. and then being on the fire department too. Like that's a huge thing where it's a volunteer run department. And I'm actually one of the few employed dispatchers there too. So I, I work there, um, and as well as working here in the shop doing my artwork and um but then i'm also on call so you know you find a whole hell of a lot about yourself you know the, the very first call that i was sent out to or that i responded to is a, a rollover accident on the highway where the suv with a bunch of tourists that were on their way up to yellowstone were speeding along and threw themselves up on the railroad tracks and you know so i was helping lift bodies out of a out of a vehicle and but you know everybody was okay yeah but that was like a real quick thing because i talked to my mom you know because her dad was on the department and you know my dad his concern for me was i don't think you'll have enough time to be a volunteer you know to go to all the calls Mm -hmm. and my mom said i'm not worried about that but i'm worried about 
you're going to see stuff that you don't want to see. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to find out. And it's weird when I get a call, my adrenaline kicks in real quick so that I get there as soon as I can. Yeah. But then when I'm on the scene, I get real calm and I can focus really, really well. And, um, it's weird. It's like the first time I went hunting, the first time I ever killed a deer to bring home to eat, mm -hmm. like my heart, what my heart's wasn't racing. I got calm and I got real still and I don't know. I've been learning a lot about this stuff and you know, just everything since I've been out here and I could never live in a city again. Dude. I, I can't do it. We go visit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just cause it's that way I can get, you know, some, get a good pizza or some Thai food or something. Sure. And <laughs> you know, see friends, <laughs> but you know, you, you're, you're very much faced with like, you know, you're here and this is what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. One, one thing that's a huge thing I've learned is, you know, we're, we're capable of anything and it's really in your head. You know, you can, you know, you can, I don't know. I learned that. I learned that after I went through all that shit in New York mm -hmm. and just like how much you, your mind can control everything that's going on with you. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. It's in, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And it seems like you've healed your soul, you know, like you've just what you were saying, like when you shot that that deer for the first time, like how you got calm. I mean, did you and you feel I mean, everything you're doing is connected directly to what you're doing. So you're not going out. I mean, you're going out and hunting. You're you're getting that animal to bring home and feed yourself, you know, and yeah. continue on. You're chopping wood to heat your shop. You're not relying on anyone else for your needs which is uh, it's got to be overwhelmingly rewarding I mean, hard work but you know the reward to that and feel i mean the way you appreciate things now you know like where uh you know what it takes to get that animal and 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 field dress that animal and bring it back home you know like you know what it takes to be in those those awful temperatures but still have to go out and chop wood for the you know so you can work like it's People have been doing it forever, and we've just gotten yeah. out of it because everything's just gotten easier. As cities get bigger and technology improves, some of that basic uh, basic technology, like finding your grandpa's tools to fix your truck, <laughs> like some of that basic technology, homesteader uh, uh, initiative, like uh, is, is what has helped people survive up to this point, you know, and it's – there's yeah. something there that that I just think, yeah of course I mean, I mean there's things slow down yeah you know when you're when you're out in places like this you know sure. the world's still moving the exact same pace but mm -hmm. like all of this rush and hurry and that's why I get pissed off when people are speeding around me and actually like Chris Chris from Vox <laughs> man he all those they everybody makes fun of me because they think i drive slow but i'm yeah. just like Dang, there's no rush man yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and and uh you know i yeah it's all this stuff has been around and i just i've been trying to simplify things as best i can 
and and it's not to prove a point or anything it's just like living like this feels better to me and you know it's like it's like things with artwork you know and and releasing a record like physically releasing a record like when a band's putting out music like put out a record like people want to hold stuff still people want to hold the book still like that still exists everybody's saying that oh you know paintings dead books are dead this is dead whatever's dead and it's like no it's just there's all this other static that's going on yeah and you know when you were talking about the the axe handles that i was doing that was a big part of it was just like these like you know because I, I went to school for art and making illustrations and paintings and mm-hmm. it's like that's that's where you're that's what your art's supposed to do it's what's supposed to be it's supposed to be hung up on a wall it's like well, why does it have to be you know a flat thing on canvas you know it can be, like i find these old tools absolutely gorgeous like what did they do what like you know where have they been like who held them and it, you know what it, what was going on around it and like doing doing the animals like painting the animals and the you know plants and the flowers and everything it's i don't know i I like messing around with the ideas of what the stories behind them could be because we are you know we make we make movies that are you know voiceover dogs and shit like that it's like we always put a story we personify everything yeah Yeah. and you know it's everything from yeah, it's been then that's been going on for ages. Like, why is the sun there? You know, why does the sun do this? Why, you know, like coming up with a reason. And uh, I, what I liked about making the the axes, you know, like I would find these axes all over the country in different antique shops and thrift store, stores. And, mm-hmm. you know, Ainsley would come with me and we would be, you know, down at the Jersey Shore, like clearing out their axes out of this one, you know, antique mall and the the, the guys at the counter would be like what the hell are you guys doing like don't worry about it don't worry and, about it i mean i got a collection of a shit heap of axes over here and it was the idea that you know an old tool can be repurposed in a sense where it is something beautiful and you i put my story on it sure and you can hang that up on the wall and then that's now evolved into what I'm doing now with uh, making the guitar straps and I'm starting to build my own custom guitars and I'm refinishing clients guitars that they send me. Yeah. And because since I left Vox, man, like there's been this massive gap, like that. I just thought it was, you know, misplaying music live or whatever it was. But it was it was like there was there was a gap, and then I had a, a guy reach out, wanted me to strip the paint off a, a beautiful vintage Gibson Flying V, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I want you to go ahead and you know." We talked about some ideas, and he just kind of let me go to town, and uh, you know, I was terrified at first to to hurt this guitar because I yeah. love guitars. Yeah. You know, I thought, I was like, oh God, I'm gonna break it. But then I, you know, I took the whole thing apart and was able to do what I've been practicing, essentially, you know, doing doing the pyrography, the wood burning on axe handles and wood slabs and things like that. And I was able to do that thing, too. And it just kind of it felt this I really felt this like palpable click that 
that's it. I'm, I'm able to connect yes. my visual art and my music. And then I started thinking, you know, because it takes me a long time to do the guitars. And then I was like, you know, I'll make a guitar strat. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had one, I had like, I had three guitar straps that I wore and I wore the shit out of them. And so I was like, I still have them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to make that, but I'm going to make it better. And then I started doing leather working, you know, the past couple of years. And, you know, they're simple, but I, I do every single little thing by hand and I get all, I get everything from around here mm-hmm. and, and I'm able to put people's stories that they tell me onto their, what's going to be their guitar strap. And it's, it's really nice. Like it's a, it's a really cool thing. And when, when people get them, I made one for Adam um, and I gave it to him and he was he still gushes about it. He's, he loves it. And he's like, I never knew my guitar was so comfortable. It's like, really, dude? Come on. You know? But it's, yeah, so I mean, that's these tangible things. I think that's where I, where this started. Yeah. So. Man, you you need to, have you talked to Tepe much about Leatherwork? Have you seen his A little stuff? bit. Okay. And a little bit. Say, you, and, you and Ed need to collaborate on guitar or bass. To where he makes the body and everything, and then have you go over it and do all the the yeah. God, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, so if those dudes listen, let's do that. Oh, they will. I'm gonna send it to him. I'm gonna let him tell him to listen to this one. I know Eddie listens, and and uh, but yeah, that would be an awesome collaboration. That could turn to something like that actually could could be something where you're doing a lot of them. You know. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be amazing. I mean, and those dudes, I'm so happy that they're still making music. Oh yeah absolutely good 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 guys i got to see them two two years ago and they came through to salt lake we drove down it's about four hours away okay um and uh and their past their past like three tours i've done t-shirts for them oh okay. you know i do their, yeah so it's 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 been really cool we've we've kept in touch and um Dare I say, maybe the nicest guys in rock and roll. <laughs> I would have to agree with you there. I really so, would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Between those dudes and and the Portugal the man, like I just it just makes me grin ear to ear. You know, seeing yeah. guys still still doing it. You know, Aaron's doing Sumac and Nate's still doing Converge and Doom Riders and yep. like all these people that. I was you know really really lucky to be on stage with at some point and sure yeah it makes me really happy like it makes me I don't know I feel the same way I feel the same yeah. Zach and I were just talking about I was just talking about how proud I am of those guys like just watching everything they do and and just wondering like what they're thinking and kind of trying to remember being back in the van and like what would <laughs> what would they think of this you know like in this level you know and it's just so cool to see where everyone winds up and and i'm just glad you're happy and it seems like it really seems like you've healed your soul like with with nature and just your your overall lifestyle now you're happy you're doing amazing stuff and you're still connected to everybody you know it's it's just a cool thing to see and that's uh i i couldn't be happier you know it's it's awesome and uh yeah i love it and uh 
I mean, I really, and I, and I appreciate you coming on the show too and, and sharing your story and, and talking about stuff. And, and it's just so nice to reconnect. And, and like I, I say it all the time, but like, that's the whole reason I do the show is, is to, I love the story side of it. And I love, you know, meeting people I don't know and, and kind of getting to know them, but reconnecting with old friends and, and it's yeah. the coolest thing ever. Yeah. It's amazing, man. And what you're doing is I commend you very highly on, on what you're doing and how you're doing it. And cause I, I, I don't know, past few years, especially since being out here, like I don't search out for new things. I don't, yeah. I listen to the same old records <laughs> and I just, I, I honestly just started listening to podcasts maybe a year ago. Yeah. I'd never, I didn't know how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either for what I said. I just started well, listening dude, to a couple them. and then it was like, man, I could do that. And then it was like, well, okay, should I demo stuff out? No, because if I demo it out, I'm never going to release it. So I just started releasing them the second I did them and then it just didn't stop, but. Man, yeah. yeah, it's it's a good time. It's a good journal for my kids later and for me if I lose my memory or whatever, my yeah. I came and talk, my memory. And uh yeah. you know, and hearing, you know, where people are at and and it's just cool. It's like a little yeah, like a little online journal kind of thing. But Yeah. I, I appreciate you reaching out, man. I mean yeah. And I, I, I thank you so much for coming on. It's I was gonna joke that this was uh welcome everybody to the uh deep voice competition. Uh because you and I both have pretty pretty uh, baritone voices, I was I was gonna laugh. I just <laughs> how who can do it better? But uh, yeah, man, I I really appreciate it, man. I'm so glad you're happy, and uh, we'll keep in touch. And and uh, um, yeah, I okay. I'm just I'm just overwhelmingly happy for you. And uh, um, yeah, thanks, buddy. Back at you next time. It's not it's. We'll be back out to Portland sometime soon. Awesome. I'll get to see it this time. Absolutely. So. I look forward to it. Yeah. All right, Definitely, brother. Man. Well, have a, have a good uh, good 24-hour on call. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Uh -huh. Take care, buddy. Bye, brother. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with my good buddy, writer Evan Robeson from RER Studio and Vox. What an awesome dude. What a great story. I mean, I learned some things on this episode and uh, I, I'm glad you guys got to hear his story and what he's doing now. So don't forget to go check out RERstudio.com, uh, RER Studio uh, on Instagram, and let them know Dewey sent you. Get yourself a custom guitar strap, um, you know, some shirts. I mean, he does, he does awesome stuff. He redoes old guitars with his artwork on it. I mean, he does amazing stuff. You guys are going to love it. Um, I'll put a link to this on all the, all the socials when the episode comes out. So you guys can just click on it and make it a lot easier for you. Um, but like I say, Ryder has been someone I've looked up to for a long time. Uh, he's been a good friend. He always took care of us on the road and taught us things, you know, whether good or bad taught us all kinds of things and uh was always the 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 life of the party and just a man's man and just an awesome dude so always looked up to Ryder and uh yeah you guys can tell on the episode it just we just had a good time and it's been great to reconnect with him and uh rekindle things and and uh get back in touch so um like I say check out his materials check out his artwork check out his music with Vox if you guys have not heard Vox already um, and you didn't hear the Quentin Smith episode, go check that one out. I'm going to try to have the rest of the guys on too. What an amazing, influential band. 
just a band's band, but that's some of the best music out there. You know, is those bands that aren't aren't quite as appreciated as they should be, but they're always looked up to by other musicians because they see how great they are. Um, and that was the story of Vox, and and what an amazing band. So what I want you to do today, go check out Writer's Artwork, go listen to any of the Vox records or EPs. Just put that on today. It's going to be your soundtrack. It's going to be awesome. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna make you want to do things. It's like some of them are like a soundtrack to a movie. I feel like I'm driving a car down the freeway as fast as I can go. So hopefully it makes you guys feel the same. But anyways, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Hit us up on the socials. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes and wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the store on the website. Uh, get yourself some stickers. Get those stickers put up around the world. Send us a picture. Tag us in if you do. Um, the sticker pack should have gone out, uh, or should have arrived already for the people that uh, reviewed the show. I put up a uh, like a giveaway, um, so you guys should all have your sticker packs. If you have not received it, shoot me an email. Uh, but they should all be there by now. I think it's been well over enough time uh, after I shipped them out. So, uh, anyways, let me know if you guys would like to get a sticker pack uh, for reviewing the show. Head over to iTunes, review the show, send me a screenshot on socials, uh, or email me, peerpleasurepod at gmail.com, and we'll get one mailed out to you. Be sure to put your address in there, and that'll get you all the stickers from the show. I think there's like 13 of them or something like that. We got It's crazy. But uh, yeah, big shout out to Wooden Cyclops, Boss Dog, Lance Don't Dance uh, for the designs, and uh, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.